0: Well, all right, today was, uh, today's been interesting, um, but this week we've been uh, celebrating our VBS, <clears throat> and I've, you might have noticed that we've left some of the kids, the kids have stayed in service, they haven't gone out to, to junior church, and someone who was in VBS, raise your hand, and I'm going to ask you a question about who was the main person that we learned about at VBS. Oh. Paul. She raised her hand. Oh, terrible. So we learned about Paul uh, during VBS, and, you know, now I'm going to leave this side of the church, because Made, made some messes over there. So we learned about Paul and, and, and what we learned about was Paul's amazing adventure and, and what he, uh, how he traveled around. And so today's uh, sermon, today's message is actually going to be based uh, a little bit around one of the lessons that we actually learned during VBS. Um, <clears throat> and we're going to talk about a guy called Paul. Now, Paul actually began his, uh, his journey. He actually started out his life as a guy called Saul rather than Paul. I know this a little bit of a difficult concept, <clears throat> he changed his name. But he actually ended up changing his name after he met and experienced Jesus. And so uh, Saul was uh, kind of a bad guy, right? He was a bad, bad guy. He, uh, he believed very much in the God of the Old Testament, but didn't believe that Jesus was the Savior that was promised. And so he uh, journeyed uh, around and he actually killed a bunch of Christians Um, before his conversion, he was this... he was just bad. Let's just go with that, right? He was a bad, bad guy. But after his conversion, he became one of the most influential leaders in the New Testament church and one of the greatest missionaries that the world has ever seen. Uh, he has planted. He planted lots of churches. He uh, uh, spread Jesus to to the known world. He went to all these different places and really good um, through his missionaries' journeys to Asia Minor, Europe. Paul was the primary instrument of the expansion of the gospel to the Gentiles. He went. Every way that you could swing a cat up. He went to all the places and when he landed into a city, he went straight up to the church and he started talking to people about Jesus and, and praying to people, with people and, and really spreading the word. And that's what we learned in VBS was not only that God loves us, but that we should also tell people about him, that it's not just enough for God to save us that we actually need to be the hands and feet of Jesus, go out into the world that is hurting and dying and in darkness and actually spread the love and light of Jesus Christ. And so Paul uh, is a great testimony to that. And so we're going to look at just a little bit of his journey uh, as, he is going, uh, as he was going to Philippi. The other really cool thing that we learn about Paul is that Paul's letters actually make up the majority of the New Testament writings that we have. His letters both to churches and to individuals make up uh, a lot of that New Testament content where we we sort of expound the Christian faith and we learn more about what Jesus meant when he said certain things. Uh, And so some of his letters uh, are are fundamental, all of his letters rather, are fundamental to the way we think about God the way we know what God wants us to do. Uh, He expounds it and explains it and builds upon the words of Jesus himself. So uh, we're going to to move here to the book of Acts, chapter 16. So if you have have your Bible, I invite you to turn there. It's Acts 16, uh, chapter, and then starting in verse 16, this is the story of Paul and Silas in prison. Uh, And so this is what... The Bible says, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a uh, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation, and this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her this very hour. So Paul and Silas are traveling in there, a place called Philippi which is a Roman colony. And they're doing what Paul and Silas do. They get on a boat, they go to a place, and they start telling people about Jesus and how Jesus just saves them. And and uh, uh, these guys, uh, they're, they're hanging out, and they're actually heading to church. It says they were going to a place of, place of prayer. That was the Old Testament equivalent of going to church. So Paul and Silas, a couple of really cool dudes, just walking down the street, minding their own business, heading to church, and uh, literally... Um, uh, have you ever seen the movie the ring right if you're a kid no bad if you're an adult creepy but good They meet the girl from the ring who is possessed by a demon. There is a spirit of divination and fortune telling in her. And they meet this girl, and she starts following them around, crying out in a loud voice. And it says that she followed them for many days. So this wasn't just a, uh, uh, I'm going to pop out once or twice and scare you. No, they're following, she's following Paul and Silas for a long time. And then perhaps one of my most absolutely favorite lines in all of Scripture says this, Paul having become greatly annoyed because it's biblical that I can get annoyed at people it's right there it's biblical that you can get annoyed but it's also biblical the way that he responds he responds in the name of Jesus he responds by uh, invoking the power and authority that is given to us as Christians in the name of Jesus and it says that when, Jesus said, when, when Paul said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her, the Spirit left that girl that very hour. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. We're moving on. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice, and the crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off them, gave them orders to be beaten with rods, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet with stocks." What you need to know is that people are going to protect the sinful behaviors that that they think bring them gain. Uh, Think bring them gain. Sinful behavior, in the end, never actually brings you real gain. Only Jesus Christ brings you real gain. But people are going to protect their sinful behavior that they think is good for them that they think they can get away with, that they think is going to improve their lives. But the reality of Scripture is that there is no behavior that is sinful that will improve your life more than the gospel of Jesus Christ will. You might see a temporary improvement, but I tell you that that temporary improvement will hit a ceiling and will be gone. And so you see these people, they receive money because they own this slave girl. They receive money because she has a spirit that can tell the future. And so people come up to her and they say, hey, I want to know what's going to happen. I want to know what the stock market's going to be like. I want to know what my horoscope's going to be. I want to know whether I'm going to find true love. And they pay these people money and the spirit gives them answers. And so when that spirit goes away, so does their income the other thing that's interesting about this story is that paul and silas are then imprisoned and beaten because of their faith in jesus it would be so much easier gosh for their entire lives if when people attacked them for their faith in jesus they just said yep my bad i'm just going to step away and instead of proclaiming jesus it would be their lives would be so much smoother wouldn't it like there's we follow Paul's amazing adventure, and almost every place he went, he gets beaten, he gets whipped, he gets imprisoned. Uh, one time, he was stoned, to, stoned uh, not to death. They thought he was dead, so they left him, um, but he gets rocks thrown at his head. At one, one time, he has to leave a city, has to get smuggled out of a city by being lowered in a basket over a wall, because he won't stop telling people about Jesus, his life would have been easier if he'd just kept it to himself, if he hadn't bothered anyone, if he just said, you do you and, and you be you and you believe what you want and I'll believe what I want and I won't get upset with that and you can just behave however you want and I'm not going to call you out for it. His life would have been so much easier. And right now, I have to think that Silas... Uh, Let me just. I believe that the people in Scripture and in in the stories are real people, and they would have real reactions to real situations. And so, I can't. I sort of have to imagine Silas as being like, "Really, Paul? Again? Like, can't you just like let her be? Like, come on, sitting in prison again? Like, he 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 must have thought this was going to be an amazing journey. I'm going. I'm traveling around the world with Paul. How awesome is this? And then Paul opens his mouth, and in prison again. Paul, right? I, love, I like Silas. None of that's based in Scripture. That's just what I think Paul might have reacted like, I, uh, Silas reacted like, because I, I think these people might have had real reactions to real situations. But that's not actually how they, re, how they reacted. It says this, uh, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. That's important. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Whenever your situation looks bleak, whenever you can't see the exit, pray. Whenever you're whenever you whenever you can not see the light at the end of the tunnel, whenever you're in over your head, whenever you if you're being bullied, whenever you have a coworker that is is treating you like rubbish, whenever you're in over your head and your life looks bleak, pray. And whenever your situation looks bleak, whenever you can't see the exit, worship. Mountains are moved when God's children come to him in prayer and worship. Sicknesses are healed. Chains are broken. When God's children come to him in prayer and worship. Paul and Silas... Probably in about the, the worst situation that you can imagine. They've been arrested, they've been stripped of their clothes, they've been beaten, they've been thrown into prison, they've been shackled. And instead of doing what probably I would do if I'm being honest, I would curl up into, in, in a ball in the corner and try and sleep. I just, you know what? Just leave me alone. Don't talk to me, don't touch me. Paul, this is your, you did this again. I'm just going over here. I'm going to take a nap. See you, see you later. That's what I would do if we're being honest. Paul and Silas decide they're going to have a, a praise and worship service in the middle of jail. All right? Now, I don't know if they had some Congos that they could play on. I imagine maybe that they were, they were, they were beating their legs, singing This Is Amazing Grace, going for it. Like, can, can you imagine this? They start worshiping. They start singing hymns. They start praying out loud. And it says in Scripture that all the prisoners were listening to them. Imagine someone in jail listening to a song about how they can have freedom in Christ. Imagine someone at the end of their rope, at the end of their wits, not knowing what was going to happen, hearing and praying and learning about Jesus. And really what this teaches us is that God always has a plan. Now, this isn't some hippie misquoting of Jeremiah 29, 11. This is an, an actual thing that sometimes we don't see what God's plan is, but it doesn't mean it's not there. Like how many of you has, have been in that tunnel where there's no light, no whatever, and, and you just can't see the end. You don't know how you're going to get out of that situation. Uh, when you see a light at the end of the tunnel, it ends up being a train that runs over you, and you're like, what's going on? God always has a plan. Sometimes we don't see it sometimes we may not like it but it's there and it is always for our best sometimes we don't see this plan sometimes we don't let's be honest god knocks on your door and says hey i'm sending you here and paul goes woohoo let's go that's not our most of our reactions can we be honest about that I feel like church, I say this often, I feel like church is the place where we should be honest if nowhere else. Sometimes when God knocks on your door and says, hey, I want you to go here, we say, Mm-mm. choose someone else. God, I don't talk pretty. I can't do that. That's what Moses said. Jonah said, hey, they will kill me if I do that. I'm not doing that. In and out, in and out. People in Scripture said, no, God, you're crazy. But God said, no, trust me, I got this. And it always ended out for their benefit. We might not like the plan, but the plan is always there and it's always good. Verse 29 continues. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in with trembling and fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. When he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Quick side note, the reason that the jailer was going to kill himself was because under Roman law... The guard of the prison was responsible for the prisoners in his care and if any prisoner escaped, the punishment was execution. And so that Roman jailer would have been executed for a single prisoner escaping. But scripture tells us that it's not only Paul and Silas whose bonds are broken, but in fact all of the prisoners' bonds are broken, and all of the doors of the prison are open. So he's thinking, man, like 20, 25 people are escaping. If they're going to execute me for just a single person escaping, what are they going to do when 20 or 25 people leave? Like they're going to torture me, they might kill my family. Man, it's better if I just kill myself now and get it over with. Sometimes you're in a tunnel and you can't see the way out, but God has a plan. And what we read is that Paul yells out to this guy and says, don't kill yourself, all the prisoners are still here. And then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household." This is perhaps one of my favorite stories in Scripture, just simply for this line, what must I do to be saved? What do you need to do to be saved? Luckily, Paul gives us a great answer. He says, believe in Jesus. Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's it. Sometimes, if we're being real honest, We try and make that more complicated than it needs to be. Well, you have to say the sinner's prayer and it has to be exactly this long and you have to use these words. And then uh, after that, you need to to make sure that you're in church every single week and you have to pray X amount of times and you have to read your Bible X amount of times. You need to know uh, where the Red Songbook is, how to get to the certain numbers in the Red Songbook. And then you need to know that in the Salvation Army, we clap on the chorus, never during the verse. All that stuff is good stuff. Praying, fantastic, great, Paul and Silas did it in prison. Worshipping, great, fantastic, Paul and Silas did it in prison. But it was not part of their salvation. It was a result of their salvation. What must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It has to be that simple. It has to be that easy. It's not more complicated than that. And what we do as people is we look at this salvation as a free gift of God, and we say, "Mm, I don't trust free stuff. Like, have you ever been to a website and they say, it's free, trust me. Just put in the credit card details. Do you trust it? No, you don't trust it. Sometimes we as humans have this uh, untrustworthy nature in us that we don't accept a free gift, but the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus is free to us. It costs the ultimate thing, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. But to you and me, it is free, and all we need to do, all we need to do is believe in the name of Jesus Christ, and we'll be saved. And I know about you, but I kind of think that that's amazing. And as the worship team comes back up, I would say, that's amazing grace. Which is the cue, because we're going to sing that song one more time as we, as we close our service today. I want you all simply to know this, that God's grace is amazing. And it is a free gift for everyone who wants it. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, or whether you dab during the sermon. You can still receive the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. Simply by doing what? Believing in Him. And that's it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the blessing that you've given us and the free gift of God of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I pray that you're with each one of us now as we go from this place, that you uh, be with us during during this week, that you uh, strengthen us, that you bring us safely back together again. I love you, Lord. And we pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.